It is good to be together in this new year, and I'm glad that you guys have chosen to be with us at Faith Covenant Church this morning, both here and online. Uh, A huge thank you to Karn Hatlin from World Vision, who last week kicked off our new year uh, in style with a great message on reminding us about our outward focus as a church and our mission of love to the whole world and the relaunching of our Team World Vision race team for those of you who are going to join and run or walk for clean water in Africa. I know many of you stayed after the service last week to hear more about that. And as the date is a little later for the race in September, we're going to have more time to up the team, so you'll be hearing more information about that. And if you're considering being a part of that team, you've got plenty of time to get in on the fun. This morning, we're starting a new series called Live Your Why. And uh, for the next four Sundays in January, we're going to be doing a follow-on series to the, the series we started the ministry year with in September called Know Your Why. And then after these four weeks in January, we're going to jump back into round two of our Ecclesiastes series called Chasing the Wind, where if you were with us in the fall, you know we're doing a little bit of an experiment that we want to work through the whole book of Ecclesiastes this year. But in order to do that, we're breaking it up into modules so it's not one you know, marathon slog to get through the whole book. So we're going to jump back into that in a few weeks. But today is an introduction to this new series, Live Your Why?, I have a slightly different message style that I want to share with you this morning. I've struggled to know how to focus in today because there's multiple threads in my mind and in my heart that I feel like God is leading us to as a church in this new year. And I want to invite us all to begin thinking about these things together. And in many ways, I believe all these different threads that are happening at the same time, God is going to weave together to give us a sense of his call and his direction for us individually, but also as a faith community in the season ahead. So I'm going to be sharing several ideas with you, and I'm going to lay out a few different invitations for you. Some of them will be uh, for you, and some of them may not be for you, uh, but uh, you can consider and prayerfully uh, you know, work on your relationship with God if this is something He's inviting you to experience Uh, But maybe God is working in your life, and maybe God is working in our church in ways that we can't even imagine or know yet today. And so possibly today is the beginning of God planting some seeds in your heart and in my heart that he wants to begin to grow and to bring to fruition in the days and the weeks ahead. So last fall, we kicked off the ministry year with this series called Know Your Why, And I want to jump in with a quick review of that. But before I do that, I just want to invite you to pray with me one more time and ask for God's blessing on this time of looking into his word. Holy God, we thank you that you have given us a vision and a hope that salvation is coming to this lost and hurting world. We know that the victory has already been won in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus from the grave, and that because he is alive, we can maintain that hope that one day you're going to put all things back together in their proper order and under his lordship. And so we ask today that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds through your word and through your spirit about a word of hope and a word of vision to keep looking forward into this new year and into the season ahead to respond in faith and obedience, to say yes to Jesus, and to follow your lead as his disciples. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're with us in the fall for the Know Your Why series, just very quickly, we talked about how uh, the, the why of your life is not only a, a question of passion, 
because our passions tell us uh, what our motivations are for how we do what we do. But the, the question why is also a question of purpose. It's not only why do you do what you do, but why do you make the choices that you make? Why are you here today? Why are your priorities your priorities? And the reality we talked about is that most often what we do with our lives is driven by the deeper question of why. In that series, we learned that as Christians, our life purpose comes from two primary sources at once, both who we are created to be and who we are called to be. And if you look closely at that statement, you'll notice that while the focus of both of those things are on us or on you and me, the source of both of those things is not from us, but is from the God who created us. So when we begin to answer the question of what is our why, and we want to discover our sense of purpose and calling in life, what we begin to discover is that it's in Christ where we begin to learn who God has created us to be is woven into his calling on our life and what he is calling us to be and to do. We also discovered that uh, our, our why can be found at the intersection then of our passions and God's will for our life. Because God has created us in such a way that our passions and our desires and the way that we're wired motivate us to want to do certain things in life. And when we, we put those things as gifts that God has given us under the lordship of Christ and we seek to do God's will with those things, we discover our greatest purpose and reason for being. And so really, invitation number one is, I'd love for you to consider going back and reviewing the Know Your Why series. All those sermons are online. You can go to our website, and you can look those up, and you can, you have to, I think right now, kind of scroll through to get to the sermon, but you can listen to those. We're working on re-upping our podcast where we're going to cut the audio of the sermons out, and you can listen to them on your phone and uh, while you're taking hikes or in the car, so we'll be working on that. But, but invitation one is go back and review, listen to those sermons again. In those sermons, we laid out the biblical foundation for understanding how we can learn to know that our true why can only be discovered in relationship to Jesus as his disciples. So I'm not sure how you're feeling personally about entering into this new year. But if you're like me, you may be continuing to struggle with some mixed emotions. Sure, I'm excited. I, I have some energy and some excitement that we're in a new year and there's new hope and there's new possibilities. And yet at the same time, I, I am a little anxious that there might be greater struggle and more bitterness that we might experience on the road ahead. There is some trepidation that there still be, might more, be more outcomes from this pandemic or that with the polarization going on in our society, we might feel more fractured relationships and more brokenness even in the church. And that makes my heart ache. Maybe some of you are feeling mixed feelings about wanting to make some personal changes in the new year like I am, but also feeling a little unsure whether you have the energy and the motivation and the commitment to be able to follow through and be successful with those changes that you want to make. A couple of years ago now, God gave me a Bible verse, which I believe was intended to be an encouragement for me to continue to put my trust in him. And it was a vision to keep believing that there is a better future in my relationship with Christ. In Isaiah 55, verse 12, the prophet Isaiah gives us a vision of hope. 
But also, I would suggest not just a vision, an image of hope that we can hang on to, but hang on to, but a promise of hope, a promise that this day will come for you and for me. If you know about Isaiah, you know that he was writing to a people in exile, a people who had lost their joy, who had lost their hope because they had been conquered by a foreign power and they had been taken away from their homeland and, and put into slavery in Babylon. And in verse 12, which is the verse that I believe God gave me of chapter 55, he says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Isn't that a, a wonderfully poetic image? See, this image, this vision has been especially important to me in these last couple years through the pandemic because there's been many times when I, honestly, between you and me, haven't felt the joy of the Lord. And in my own spirit, I have not felt peace. For me, it's been a vision of what to pay attention to and how to take my eyes off of my circumstances and put them back where they're supposed to be on God and the hope that he has promised me in my relationship with Jesus, for what to be looking for in my life and to help me keep me focused on his priorities and not my own. And that ultimately, as we began to learn in our Ecclesiastes series, for those of you who are with us, this gift of life that we've been given from God has value and purpose and meaning only as it leads us to live in relationship to the God who created us. We talk a lot about having a mission and a vision in church. Many times we might ask you, well, what's the difference between a mission and a vision? Aren't they kind of the same thing? Well, for me, the way that makes sense to me is a mission is what we are called to do. A vision is what it'll look like when we're successful. Does that make sense? Vision has to do with sight, right? A vision is a picture of what it'll look like when we're successful. A mission is what we're called to do. A vision is what it'll look like. I just want to ask you, I don't, I don't know, maybe you're like me in this way too, I'm not sure. Have you ever had that experience when you're, when you're out in nature? Maybe you've been camping or you've been going for a hike in the woods or maybe even you're just taking a walk around the block in your neighborhood. But there's a, there's a moment when you're out in nature and it's almost in ways that you can't really explain in words, but somehow the world just comes alive around you in a way that you can't even really explain. Right? There's a sense that the, the colors become more vibrant, and there's a kind of weightiness in the air around you, and there's a sense of, of God's presence in a way that maybe you don't experience 24-7 day to day, but in that moment, you know that there's this greater reality beyond what you experience day to day, and it's always there, but usually you just can't see it. But in that moment, God has gifted you with that presence where the very creation is speaking and singing of the glory of God. Have you ever had that moment? See, in Isaiah 55, using this poetic language, I believe Isaiah is attempting to describe that kind of experience for us, of living in a real, intangible relationship with the presence of God's Spirit that, that created all things, and the Bible says even the very creation speaks of the glory of God. And in that, in that vein, listen to the words again. And see if you can't hear, in the words of Isaiah, that invitation to experience God in a new way. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. 
and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. It's an image of the very creation living in worship to God. I shared this verse as an invitation that God had given me this last fall with some of our other pastors at our pastor's retreat. And I also shared it in our leadership team meeting this last December. And I felt led to share it with you all today because I feel like perhaps in this verse and in this passage in Isaiah is an invitation for you and for me and for our church in this new year ahead. I believe that God wants us to keep our hope alive to keep trusting that he is with us, that he is working things out in our lives, in our church, in our world, even if we can't see it. I believe that God is inviting each one of us today and in the season ahead to take a hold of this vision for our future, to believe that sooner or later, in one way or another, maybe even in fits and starts at the beginning, you will go out with joy. And be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. I also want to share with you one of the amazing things about this passage for me is as I have lived with this passage for a couple years now and gone back to read the larger chapter of chapter 55 in which this verse is written you discover that the larger context of this promise further clarifies just what this invitation to take a hold of this vision from God is really all about. When you understand the larger invitation that God is describing for his people in the 55th chapter of Isaiah, which is in the context of their own exile, their own lostness, their own depression, their own anxiety, their own fear of the future, And you get to verse 12, understanding that larger context. Verse 12 pops out in a way that that you can't even imagine, that you don't understand without understanding the larger context. In fact, you may discover, as I did as well, in this larger chapter of chapter 55, it's filled with verses that many of us are very familiar with, but we never realize that they all come from the same chapter because we only hear them broken out one at a time. And so today, I just want to invite you to listen to chapter 55 of Isaiah. You can read along if you want to. The words will be on the screen. You can pull it up on your Bible. But if you want, you can just close your eyes. And you can listen to the word of God this morning and listen to the context of Isaiah 55 and where verse 12 comes from. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me. And eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations that you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God. 
the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them. And to our God, for He will freely pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown." an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Wow. Really, right? I mean, come on. Wow. God is amazing. And this passage is an invitation for you and me to lift our eyes out of the the brokenness and, and the hurting places in our lives in this world and to see that God has promised us a future and a hope. That even though you might not feel it this morning, you will go out with joy. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you will be led forth in peace. And you will experience the glory of the Lord around you. And even creation itself will come alive to you. And so that's invitation number two. I just invite you to receive the words of Isaiah 55 today and in this New Year season as God's invitation to you and to me in this new year to keep our hope alive, to keep trusting that he is with you and that he's working things out even if you can't see it. Receive these verses this morning as a vision to pay attention to, to remind you of what to be looking for, where to put your hope, how to focus your priorities and the source of your true joy and peace in life. To know your why is the first step. To live your why is the next step. See, part of our mission and vision as a church is supposed to be to help you to discover and live out your why. So knowing and living our why together as a church becomes equally important in this mission and vision that God has called us to fulfill. We've said for years here at Faith Covenant Church that discipleship isn't one of the things that we do It's the one thing that we do, right? And from a biblical perspective, everything that we do in our shared life together as a church is about helping one another discover and live out their why and their calling as disciples of Jesus. 
In this calling of Jesus to make disciples, we've identified that for us, there are really two core objectives that we need to be focusing on as a church. The objective number one is it means we need to get people onto the discipleship pathway with Jesus, right? People who are far from God, people who don't know Jesus, people who don't even know what's in the Bible, people who've never heard Isaiah 55 as an invitation and a promise to them need to get on the discipleship pathway with Jesus. That's part of our job as the church. We need to be reaching new people for Christ and giving them a pathway to enter into relationship with Jesus. But we know in this 21st century, in this postmodern world, people need to belong before they become Christians. Belonging precedes believing because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We need to be good at accepting and loving people not beating them over the head with our theology or with our truth. We need to create next steps that gently invite and encourage people to go on a journey with us in our discipleship with Jesus. And then objective number two is once people are on the discipleship pathway with Jesus, we need to help people live out their life purpose, to discover their why and to live out their why, their calling as followers of Jesus. And in order to do that, we need to be people who develop people. Right? I've said this for years. The church needs to stop looking at its people, meaning you, meaning me, your pastor, and our staff, and our church, and, and you as representatives of the church need to stop looking at our people as human resources in service to the mission of the church. And we have to understand that the ministries of the church are supposed to be resources to the ministries of its people. That as you live out your calling, as you give your gifts in stewardship to God to to advance the kingdom in the world, that's your call as Christians. But too often we keep the gifts and the ministry for ourselves in the church and we say, hey, you come to our church because we got a great church and you can serve our mission. And our mission is what? In in that vein, it's, well, we want to get as many people as possible in the room. But what we're learning in this new day and age, and we're going to be talking more about this in the season ahead, is that if we're going to be successful in fulfilling this mission and this call as a church in the 21st century, we have to move our core value from accumulating people to deploying people into the world. Because that's what Jesus did. We have a lot of practical ideas for how we envision living this way out. We've been dreaming about this. We've been scheming about this. We've been talking about this. Like I said, we've been saying discipleship isn't one of the things that we do for years now. And I believe that 2022 is the turning point year for Faith Covenant Church where we are now going to begin to put feet on our faith and we're going to live out our why. And we're going to have to figure out how to do that together. But in order to do that, we need to begin to expand the conversation. We need to take these ideas and these dreams, and we need to begin to expose more people to them. We need to invite more people to have input. We need to be able to talk about it and to hear about it and to get excited about it and to brainstorm about it and to put plans together and then to go do stuff together. Amen? 
We need to explore how each one of us has a part to play and, and, and that it takes everyone to be involved and that it's not 20% of the people do 80% of the work, but it's 100% of the people do 100% of the work because I've said this for a long time too. Christianity is a team sport where everyone plays. And we know that we grow in discipleship to Jesus as we discover and live out our own sense of purpose and calling in life as a follower of Christ. And so we also know that the purpose of the community of faith of the church is not to just gather people and get butts and seats and see how many people we can stuff into a room once a week. But we are called and we're sent by Jesus to, to go and be the hands and feet of Christ to one another and to help develop people to be trained and equipped to live out the gospel in our marriages and in our families and in our workplaces and with our neighbors who don't know Jesus. And I, I, I struggle because I've been a leader in the church my whole life and I feel like we're failing. And then I feel like that's on me. That's not a shame on you. I feel like that's a shame on me. That's a shame on pastors. That's a shame on church leaders. What are we doing? And how do we change? This is a question of how we can begin to learn in new ways to live out our lives. And so invitation number three is I want to invite anyone who's interested or anyone who's willing to join me on the fourth Tuesday nights of the month from six to eight o'clock here at the church, beginning in February next month and through June. And we're going to get together and we're going to provide childcare for anyone who needs it. We're going to provide dinner for anyone who needs that to try and remove any obstacles of somebody who would want to come. And we're going to do three things each month. We're going to talk about our mission and vision as a church. And we're going to share stories of where God has been leading us as a congregation. We're going to do some training and some equipping, and we're going to give you practical tools on how you can begin to live out our mission and vision in your life in very simple and easy next step ways. And then the third thing is we're going to share stories of where God is work and where God is blessing us and where God is transforming us. And we're going to pray for one another and we're going to pray for our church. And it's open to anyone Anyone who feels called by God to come, you can come. It's going to be relational. It's going to be communal. It's going to be conversational. It's not a class. <laughs> it's not a workshop. It's going to be Christian community coming together to seek God's spirit and to pray for his vision for our lives. So feel free to join me on the fourth Tuesdays, 6 to 8 o'clock. Now, because we're going to do child care and food, we're going to ask people to, to register for it. So if you want to come, just be paying attention for those registration things. And we haven't talked about whether we'll have an online streaming option for you, but we'll consider that as well. If we're able to do that, I would love to have that be an option for you, even if you're not in town and you want to join. I was reminded as I was thinking about these Tuesday nights of Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us not consider, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
I, this just sticks with me, and I, I, I always struggle with that all the more as you see the day approaching, right? Because it's kind of an end times thing. And you know, I, I don't know if we're in the end times. Maybe we are. Some people think we are. Every generation has thought we were in the end times. You know, when Jesus ascended to heaven, I think the end times began. <laughs> and when Jesus comes again, it'll be all over. And, and the Bible says, we don't know. But I, I have this sense that for us, in our church, in our culture, in our time, in our season, there's a day approaching for us that could signal a new beginning or the beginning of the end. Because every church has a choice to make in its, its lifespan. It can choose to, to, to change in order to live or it can choose to die as a result of its resistance to change. And when churches die, they don't die overnight. It takes 30 years. But what happens is the church just continues to age out. In a church like ours, we're, we're a pretty wealthy church. We got a lot of money in the bank. We could let this thing go for a long time, right? Staff will dwindle. Young families will dwindle, youth will dwindle, more and more of our gray hair people like me will be, you know, populating the church, and, and eventually we'll, it'll be the, the, you know, the, the 12 to 15 of us who hung on, and we're proud that how long we've hung in there, but that's how churches die. It's a slow, quiet death, and I don't want that for our church. I don't want that for any church. And I feel like, I shared this with our leadership team this last month, I feel like our church is at an inflection point where we have a choice to begin to change the core values that are, that are driving our why. Or we can choose to do the same old thing and, and just expect a different result, which, you know, Albert Einstein said was the definition of insanity. So we're going to talk about that more in this series of this inflection point that I think we're at. And we're going to talk about what an inflection point is. It's a new term that came to me as I've been listening to people, you know, talking heads in the pandemic. But I think it might have something significant for us. So you can look that up if you want. Invitation number four. Come to our annual celebration and congregational meeting on Sunday, March 6th. I'm going to say it again emphatically. And then I'm going to tell you why. Come to our annual celebration and meeting on March 6th. As many of you probably know, we normally have our annual celebration in January. However, due to challenges from the pandemic and the changes that we've been experiencing in our church in this last year, we've chosen to hold off the meeting until March to buy us time to talk more about where we feel God is leading us, this why that he's calling us to pursue. We want to be able to have more conversations, to invite more people to engage. We want to host some town hall meetings. We want to possibly have some focus groups. We want to talk about what some of the challenges are that we see ahead, but also some of the amazing opportunities that, that are, are, are in, in store for us as well. And all of that is designed to hopefully culminate on March the 6th, where we will come together and we will be able to affirm that vision by voting together as a congregation to say, yes, this is where we feel God is calling us to go, or no. We don't feel like that. it's where God is calling us to go. And so your participation is important. It's essential to be the church together. 
We'll celebrate and worship that morning, and we'll talk about all the ways that God is blessing us and calling us, and then afterwards, we'll go over into Snelling Hall, or if we get enough people here, we'll do it right here in this room, and we'll have our congregational meeting, and and we'll get together to decide the future of our church together. We'll approve our budget. We'll we'll, we'll talk about the role of what it means to be a covenant partner in the church, and we'll talk about that in advance of that as well. Now, those of you who know me or have been around this church for a while would know that it's pretty rare that as a pastor, I would try and communicate with all of you in a heavy-handed way. I don't, I, I don't personally believe that being a heavy-handed communicator definitely necessarily communicates a spiritual authority, right? It might communicate a positional authority, but that's not my thing, and I don't think that was Jesus' thing. However, in this situation, I feel strongly that this is such an important event in the life of our church coming up on March 6th, that it's a truly all-hands-on-deck situation, that if you consider Faith Covenant Church your home, and especially if you're a covenant partner, I'm going to say you need to be at this meeting. You are expected to be at this meeting if this is your church home. If you're newer to the church or just checking us out right now, this is a great opportunity for you to get a little glimpse behind the curtain, right? Come and see how our family does business. Come and hear what's most important to us and, and hear the conversations and hear how we relate to each other. If you're considering this as your church home, this is a great way to decide whether this might be a good fit for you or not. So as your pastor, for whatever it's worth to you in this day and age and whatever authority I may have in your eyes, you need to be at this meeting. Mark your calendar now. You've got two months to plan it. Change your schedule if you need to. If you've got to do it from home, we'll stream it so you can participate online. You have no excuse unless you're dying or in the hospital or you're the needs of a loved one to not be at this meeting. Have I, have I made myself clear enough? Again, we'll have food and childcare to make it as possible for as many people to participate, and so we'll have registration and all that. So just to quickly review, I've given you four invitations this morning. Invitation number one, go back and listen to the Know Your Why series. Number two, receive the words of Isaiah 55 as God's invitation and vision for you in this new year. Number three, join me on fourth Tuesdays of the month from 6 to 8 p.m. with childcare and dinner through June as we come together to allow God's Spirit to lead us into how we begin to practically live out our why together. And invitation number four, come to our annual celebration and congregational meeting on Sunday, March 6th. To know your why is the first step. To live your why is the next step. These invitations are practical things that each of us can do to begin this new year living into our why, holding on to the vision and the promise of God of Isaiah 52, 12, that if we trust in him, we will go out with joy and we will be led forth in peace and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before us and the trees of the field will clap their hands. And I believe that all God's people will too, yes? Let's give God an ovation. Amen. God, we thank you for your trust in us.
that you have given your church into our hands and you've entrusted our sinful and broken wisdom to be the ones who rule and to guide this community of people of faith. And we ask for your wisdom and your strength to be able to lead it well. Help us to have the courage, God, to say yes to your spirit this morning, to respond in obedience to these invitations and to become a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. God, help us to understand that you desire for us to experience the joy and the peace and the purpose that only comes when we build our lives on a relationship with you. And we will thank you. We will praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.